Good morning and uh, welcome to Bachelor Creek. So excited that you guys are with us today. For those of you who are joining us online, welcome. Uh, go ahead and drop a comment there in the chat. Let us know that you're joining us. And uh, for all of you, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we'll be there in a few minutes. You know, for as long as humans have gazed skyward, the moon has been a focus of fascination. The moon's always been close enough to, see, to be able to be seen by our eyes, but it's, it's far away enough to have this aura of mystery. For centuries, the moon was the great unknown. People speculated about what it was made of. Some people thought it was made of, of rock. Other people, some even thought that it was made of cheese. And I can tell you, if that turned out to be true, I can guarantee just about every preschooler and kindergartner would want to be an astronaut when they grow up. I know that I would. I mean, I couldn't get to the moon fast enough if it were made of cheese. Well, the invention of the telescope provided us with sharpened views of the moon's bumps and ridges and cratered seas. By the mid-20th century, space exploration brought the prospect of going to the moon from the realm of fiction to reality. The American effort to send astronauts to the moon had its origins in an appeal made by President Kennedy to a special joint session of Congress on May 25th, 1961. He said, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. At the time of this statement, the United States was still trailing the Soviet Union in space developments. And Cold War era America welcomed Kennedy's bold proposal. Well, despite a number of delays and uh, numerous setbacks, some of them tragic, including the death of Indiana's own Gus Grissom and two other astronauts and a pre-launch test of the Apollo 1 mission, Kennedy's dream did become a reality eight years later. On July 20th, 1969, American astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to ever land on the moon. And about six and a half hours later, Armstrong became the first person to walk on the surface of the moon. As he took his first steps, Armstrong famously said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It was a pioneering moment. I love pioneering moments. Moments that take us to places that we've never been before. Moments that appreciate the past but don't stay in the past. You know, our church has had a lot of pioneering moments. The first pioneering moment was on June 14th, 1845, when a group of believers in Wabash County came together and met in a home to form a church. It was known as the Pawpaw Creek Church. Later changed to the Pawpaw Creek Christian Church, and then the Plank Road Christian Church, and then Bachelor Creek Christian Church, and eventually became known as Bachelor Creek Church of Christ. Throughout the history of this church, there has been growth, and there has been expansion, and there have been buildings that have been built, and buildings that have been torn down, and buildings that have been renovated, and buildings that have been added onto. In 1903, the church building was completely rebuilt. Now, that may not seem too noteworthy or remarkable, but what I find fascinating is that church members came together and they raised enough funds to be able to complete that project debt-free. It was a pioneering moment. 
Bachelor Creek, several years ago, made a conscious decision that this was going to be a church that was going to invest in the next generation. That this was going to be a church that, that, that cared about kids and youth. That's always been a priority around here. That's evident by a decades-long successful preschool program, Happy Days. Several years ago, our church hired a, a youth minister and then a children's minister at a time when not very many churches were doing that. Over the years, a lot of mon money has been invested in, in renovating space and areas so, so that our kids' areas would be a place that kids would want to come to, that kids would be excited about coming to church and they wouldn't want to leave. Pioneering moments. 2010 was a pioneering moment when the elders of this church made the decision to increase our mission support to 15% of the budget. It was a pioneering moment in 2014 when, when they made the decision to increase our support to missions by 1% every year until 2018 we began giving 20% of our annual budget to missions. A step of faith, a trust in God, and God has provided. Pioneering moments. And as great as the past can be, the past also provides some challenges. NASA went on to complete five more successful moon landings from 1969 to 1972. But after doing that several times, it's kind of like, well, what's next? In fact, some people have said that NASA never quite found a new vision after the moon. See, there's a problem when the past defines a group. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. Let me say that again. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. Today we're in part four of a series we've called Four. Four Wabash. We've been saying that for many people, the church is known for what it's against, but we want to be known for what we are for. And we are for students, we are for children, we are for adults. We are for this community because God is for this community. And we've been asking the question, what do we wanna be known for? This is what our church wants to be known for. We want people to know Jesus. We wanna say yes to those who've said no. We wanna be for our neighbor. We want to be a part of what Jesus said he came to do when he said in Luke 19, 10, I have come to seek and to save the lost. We want to seek and save those who are far from God. All of this is pioneering language. It's part of a movement the likes of which the world has never seen, the local church. This is what the church is supposed to be about. You know, the church of Jesus has a very rich heritage. This church, our church, has a very rich heritage. But whenever our heritage becomes the good old days, there's a danger. It's a dangerous place when, when you find yourself frequently saying, you know, you remember how we used to do things. What, wasn't that great when, when we did that? Remember when, when, when that happened? That, that was awesome. Or, you know, that... That's not how we used to do it. We used to do things that way. That's sure not like it used to be. When your memories exceed your dreams is a real danger to pioneering moments. 
Do you know the last seven words of a dying church? We've never done it that way before. Or I'll, I'll add the, the last ten words of a dying church. We've never done it that way before. I'm not changing. Today, I want to ask two questions that pioneers and pioneering movements always ask. I want to ask them because of the work that God has called us to do. I want to ask these two questions because they are fantastic questions as we conclude our four series. But before we ask these two questions, I want to point us to the greatest pioneer the world has ever seen. And for us to remain on mission and remain on vision, we must remain focused on him. Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. Hebrews 11.1 begins with a definition of faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. The author of Hebrews takes us on a biblical journey of faith. He shows character after Old Testament character and how they live lives of deep, enduring faith. Hebrews 11 is the Faith Hall of Fame. It's Scripture's Cooperstown. We hear of the faith of Abel, the faith of Enoch, the faith of Noah, the faith of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, and of Joseph, and of Moses, and of Rahab, and of Gideon, and Samson, and David, and Samuel, and on and on and on. By faith, they lived. By faith, they acted. You know, sometimes when you read through the Old Testament, you, you have to have this question of, well, how were people in the Old Testament saved? How were people saved but before Jesus came? Maybe you've wondered that before. Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. The people in the Old Testament were saved by faith. They had faith in the promises of God. They had faith in the character of God. They had faith and what God said was coming, even though that wasn't fully revealed yet. They were justified by faith. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 4, we're told that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Just as those of us in the New Covenant, on this side of the cross, are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the biblical writer shares this wonderful picture of what it looks like to live by faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore. Therefore, in light of everything that I've just shared about faith, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. That means when our eyes are fixed on him, we move forward. We keep pioneering. We keep believing. We believe Jesus when he said, you will do even greater things than these. Greater things than Jesus? What's he talking about? Not greater in quality, greater in quantity. See, Jesus' earthly ministry was limited to a pretty concentrated geographic area. But Jesus said when he left, it was actually going to be better for us because he says, if I leave, then I will send another helper. And those of us who have been born again, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ living inside of us. 
So now that when we go, when we act, when we serve in the name of Jesus, he is working through us. And Jesus is at work all over the world. You see, pioneers understand that God is a multiplier. Pioneers aren't scared of the unfamiliar. Pioneers are intrigued by the unfamiliar. Pioneers live lives that are for their neighbor. And we don't have to look very far to know that this is true. We have so many people here in this church whose lives demonstrate that they are for their neighbor. I think of Todd. Todd and his dog Oakley will regularly visit residents at Wellbrook, and there's one resident at Wellbrook, and her name is Carmen. Carmen suffers from dementia. She's got a fantastic, a wonderful life story. She immigrated to the United States from Bolivia years ago, and now she's living in, in Wabash, and she has no family around, no family remotely close. As far as we know, she has no living family. And so regularly, Todd and his dog Oakley will, will go and, and spend some time and sit down and visit with Carmen. And they'll color pictures together. They'll look through photo albums together. They're, they'll share stories of what life was like in, in Bolivia. And Oakley's her boy. And Oakley will come over and lay his head on her lap. And as they talk, she'll pet his head. I think of Chad who goes around and plows driveways for people in the community when they're snowed in. I think of Craig who, when he learned of a single woman in our community with health issues who needed a lot of yard work, he didn't, he didn't have somebody prompt him to do this, but on his own initiative, he took it upon himself to go over there and take care of her yard. And so he mows her yard and he picks up sticks and he carries away trash so that that's something that that she won't have to worry about. I think, of, I think of Terry and I think of Judy who consistently reach out to individuals inside and outside of the church who have lost a spouse. They're no strangers to loss. They know what it's like and so they have, they have made this a ministry of theirs that they're gonna reach out and they're gonna care for people when they've experienced loss and they're gonna take that journey of grief together with them. And none of those people would ever want their names to be shared. But what I hope, you, I hope you can see is that those stories, what they do is nothing, is nothing out of the ordinary. There's no special talent. There's no special skill. There's no special ability. All it takes is a mindset. All it takes is intention, a focus, a desire, a commitment to be like Jesus and to love others like Jesus. And that leads me to the question that pioneers ask. What now? And what's next? So let's talk about what now. On February 5th, from 9 a.m. to noon, we are having a four-day. Say, so what, what's, what's a four-day? A four-day is a way that we, as a church, are showing our community and showing our neighbors that we are for them. We're going to have four different serving opportunities. We're going to be partnering with IDES. It's a ministry that, that helps provide food for people who have experienced tragedy and, and disaster. And we're going to come together here at the church, and we're going to pack thousands and thousands of meals so, so that some people 
all around the world who don't know where their next meal is coming from will be able to have a belly full of food. We're going to have a, a large crew of people partnering with Blessings for Backpack and are going to be packing backpacks full of food so, so that people in our community have food. We're going to be partnering with a ministry called New, Be- New Beginnings, a local ministry here. It's an incredible ministry that, that helps men who, who are struggling with, with substance abuse and alcohol addiction. It helps them find freedom from that addiction and find hope and healing in Jesus. And so we're going to go to New Beginnings and we're going to have a, a team of people that are going to do some painting and a team of people that's going to build a, a computer lab. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not signed up to be a part of Four Day, make sure you sign up today. And what you need to know is that is that four-day is not just a, a one-time thing. This isn't something that, that, that we get to check, check the box and we make ourselves feel good because we've helped somebody out. No, this is something that's going to be ongoing. That, that every few months we're, we're going to have a, a four-day where we mobilize not just a, a small group of people, but we mobilize our entire church family to go out and to serve and meet needs in our community. That this is going to become who we are. Say, what now? Did you know that every time that, that you drop a dollar, when you get a cup of coffee or you pick up a donut out at the Beyond Coffee area, that 100% of that donation goes to, to local ministries? These are small ways that we're showing our community and our neighbors we are for them. But let's talk about what's next. What's next? We want to be a church on mission. A church on mission made up of fully engaged followers of Jesus. You say, well, what's a fully engaged follower of Jesus look like? Well, it's someone who gathers purposefully. Gathering purposefully means that that we come together every week to worship God. That we come together every week to take the Lord's Supper together, that we come together each week to, to hear God's word proclaimed together, that, that we realize that Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, do not forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. When we gather purposely, we, we, are, we are preaching the gospel, we are sharing the gospel, and we are inviting people to follow Jesus. A fully engaged follower of Jesus is someone who connects deeply. By connecting deeply, we understand that life is better connected. We understand that that God created us, he designed us to live in relationship and be connected with others, that that we were created to have significant relationships. Here at Bachelor Creek, that primarily happens through small groups, where, where we meet with others regularly, to pray with one another, to encourage one another, to apply the truths of God's word to our lives. And we do that together. There are opportunities where we realize that there are at least 34 one another commands in scripture that cannot be fulfilled in isolation. And so in this this community, we, we serve one another, we bear one another's burdens. A fully engaged follower of Jesus is someone who influences daily. Influencing daily means that that we build relationships with people in our community. It means that we love others and we show them that we are for them. And that'll include things like baking cookies for our neighbors, 
It'll include things like paying it backwards. It'll include things like inviting people over for a meal. But it also means that, that we will invite people to come worship with us. We'll invite people to church because we want to point people to Jesus. It means that as we build relationships with, 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 with people who, who've said no to church, that, that we'll share our story with them about what God has done in our life and how he's changed our lives. A fully engaged follower of Jesus is someone who serves selflessly. We serve selflessly both inside and outside of the church. Right now, we have a lot of areas and a lot of ministries in our church where we need more people to serve. There, there are a lot of uh, several exciting new ministries that, that we hope to launch, and that's going to require more people serving. I dream that our church would be so full of engaged followers of Jesus that our ministry areas are overflowed with volunteers, that we have more than enough volunteers. How incredible would it be if, if, we, had, if we got to a point where there were waiting lists to serve in a ministry because all of the needs were met? Do you think that's ever happened to any church ever? Wouldn't that be something? Serving selflessly means that we serve out in the community as well. That we partner with other organizations and, and other ministries to, to meet needs in our community. And we do it because we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus who said in Mark 10, 45, I've not come to be served, but to serve. I, I would love to see everyone in this church who is able to go on a national or international mission trip in the next three years. For those of you who are unable to go, I would ask that you would send someone, that you would support someone going. And you'd be able to see and experience what God is doing outside of our community and see how God is impacting the world around us and how he wants us to be a part of that. A fully engaged follower of Jesus is someone who gives generously. Giving generously means that we understand that as Psalm 24.1 states, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to God. We're merely stewards of what he's entrusted to us. And so we give faithfully and we give joyfully, not only because we want to be free from the love of money, not only because we don't want money to become an idol and have its grip on our lives and control us, but we give faithfully and we give joyfully because we want to see the kingdom of God grow. And we want to give of our resources generously so that men and women, boys and girls, can hear the gospel of Jesus and have their eternity changed. I'm telling you, that right there, a church on mission, that is a church that changes a community. That is the kind of church that we long to be. That, that's a church that when people in our community, well, whenever they mention Bachelor Creek, you're gonna have people who say, you know, I, I've never been to Bachelor Creek before, but, but, but I can tell you this. Man, they really love God and they love people. Oh, oh, Bachelor Creek, that, that, that's a church that, that truly loves others the way that Jesus does. And so my question is this. Are our best days in front of us or are our best days behind us? Remember, when your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. That's the bad news. But there's good news. 
When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. When your dreams exceed your memories, you pioneer. So are we pioneers or are we settlers? I believe we're pioneers. And the reason I believe that is because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we remember what he's called us to do, and he's called us to go. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Now, do you know when Jesus said those words? This was after he had been crucified, buried, and raised to life. He's getting ready to ascend and go back to be with the Father. And before he goes, he gives us some final words. It's his parting shot of sorts. And you know, anytime somebody gives their final words, you know it's important. And so I imagine the disciples are all leaning in with eager anticipation of what Jesus is going to share with them because they know that it's important. And he says, go. He doesn't say go alone because he's given us the church. And so we do this together. But he also reassures his disciples, and he he reassures you and me. In verse 20, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, we can go with boldness and we can go with courage because God is with us. Go is a pioneering word. It's what we do. We have a world to reach. If the people who first heard Matthew 28 had decided to stay and not go, chances are you and I wouldn't be here today. And so if you come here and and you're just looking for something to make you feel good, a bowl of ice cream can do that. If you come here and you're looking for all of your demands to be met, if you're looking for, for all of your wishes to be fulfilled I'd suggest an all-inclusive vacation. That'll work pretty good. But if you want to be a part of something that has the power to transform a community and the power to change the world, then commit yourself to the church. Because the good news is that Jesus' people are pioneers. Jesus' people go. Jesus' people let the world know that we are for them because Jesus is for them. So let's recap where we've been. What do we want to be known for? We want to be known for what we are for. We are for Wabash. We are for our neighbor. We are for our communities. And so we will say yes to those who've said no to Jesus. We'll say yes to those who've said no to the church, and we will say yes to those who've said no to what we believe. And we will go out into our community, and we will share the greatest message the world has ever seen. We sang it earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This church is our vision. Our memories are great, but our dreams are greater. When your dreams exceed your memories, you pioneer. So let's go. Would you pray with me? God, I pray 
that you would give us new dreams, that there would be many, many, many more pioneering moments in this church as we go. God, you have called us to go. You've not called us to to stay put, to, to stand where we are, but God, you have called us to live on mission. And I pray that we would be a people, a people who belong to you, that live on mission. That we would be fully engaged followers of Jesus and that we would see you, God, transform this community. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have each week to gather together as the church that we worship together, that we, we, we serve together, that we, we remember you through communion together, and then, God, you send us to go and to make a difference. God, I thank you that you have given us the greatest message the world has ever heard, the world has ever seen, and that is that you sent your one and only Son to this world, And you've told us that whoever believes in him, who believes in the name of Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. And God, if there's anyone here today who's never made that confession of faith, who's never believed in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, who've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life, God, I pray today would be that day. And for anyone who makes that decision, God, I pray that they would know that they're not alone but there's an entire church family that is for them, who wants to partner with them as we go. And we show this community and we show this world that we are for them because you are for them. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.